Damas y caballeros. Welcome, welcome, everybody. Um, welcome to another edition of Leaving the Ring Radio. I'm your host, Dave Duenas. I'm doing a solo show today. Emil Carr, is, uh, if you guys have noticed, he's, he's on vacation. He's on honeymoon. Um, so I was, I was waiting for we could do a show together, but he was like, the time that he can get on, the time that I can get on, it was just conflicting. It was just no way... No way, no how that we're going to be able to do it together. So I just figured, you know what, I might as well jump on here and uh, do the show. I already got everything ready, set to go, the fights I want to talk about, the breakdowns, and a lot of other things too as well, right? You know, definitely want to talk about this past weekend uh, fights, and then we want to talk about this upcoming Saturday fights, which you got on Showtime, DAZN, and uh, ESPN, the big one. The big, big one. (laughs) <laughs> what's up outlaw yeah dude actually by i don't know if you guys can hear the noise in the background my kids are in the game room they're playing pool they got a couple of buddies over here and stuff they got their music blasting what they call hip-hop which i call trash um but uh so anyways i just thought i'd come on talk it up chop it up and all that and talk about some fights uh, that also as well uh a little after but you know what i wanted to do first man um let's see if i can get this up here I wanted to check out, uh, I don't know if any of you guys saw the video that was posted by Behind the Gloves. I want to give them credit because they're, they're the ones that went out to go witness Deontay Wilder work the mitts with his trainer, uh, Joe D. So let me put that up there and just give you guys a quick reaction. Um, get your guys' quick reaction and get my, um, my reaction from this. Uh, I definitely want to hear what you guys think about this. Um, so, really quick, let's check it out, man. Let's see if we're impressed. If we're not impressed, then uh, let's see if uh, there's been any changes. I don't know. Well, first off, I got to say this, okay? Um, it's almost like he's envisioning, uh, you know, Tyson Fury being in front of him, the way he's, like, shuffling his feet and, like, he's trying to corner uh, his his trainer with the hand mitts. Uh, so that's the first thing I got off of that immediately was that his mind is still set uh, believing that he's going to get Tyson Fury, right? I mean, granted, that's probably how he's always looked, but... Just by watching the first time, just first glimpse of it, that's what I, that's the first thing I got off of that, right? Okay. Third. 
Gidi. All right, man. I got to stop that really quick. I mean, look. <clears throat> I don't want to bag on the guy and stuff, but it's just... <laughs> It's <laughs> it's obvious that he still hasn't, you know, got his shit, his feet underneath him, you know. And, and remember this: if you've been following for a long time, since like 2014 or even like 15, I called Deontay Wilder the Bambi of heavyweights because of his legs. He can't get his feet underneath him, and, and it's just right now. Like you're just watching, we're watching this short clip of him working the hand mitts, and guess what? He still has it. He still falls into these punches. So. Right there immediately, there's no adjustments. There's nothing that went back and looked at and tried to adjust to. Um, you know, they obviously didn't go back and look at tapes of the fight that they had on the rematch with the, uh, you know, uh, Tyson Fury. They didn't see like, hey, this is what we need to do. This is what we need to fix. They're still kind of caught up in that moment of still being the 30 wins and 30 knockouts Deontay Wilder, thinking that that's all that's going to work. Okay, so let's let's. Let's keep moving on. Let's check it out. Let's watch a little bit more of this here. Oh, Woo! <laughs> hey, they kicked him out, so we're going to give him a good shot. Right here, right in the camera, right here. Okay, I'm going to show him. Right here, right here. One more time. Right here, guys. I'm going to show him. See, he holds his, he holds his uh, balance there. So I don't know how much of it's like, you know, being like theater or, you know, acting, overacting. But I, I just find it hard to believe that he is overacting because we've seen him do that before. We've seen him like fall in the punches when he knocked out uh, Stavern, um Berman Stavern, He fell right into those ropes when he knocked out Brazil. Same thing. He fell into the ropes and stuff, you know, um, seen him a lot of times that when he gets wild, his legs. They kick from underneath him, and he's like trying to struggle with gravity and everything. And, and here you can see that with JD that he's you know kind of struggling there, but then he gets his feet underneath them. So there are times where he can you know keep his 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 balance and his base really really good and stuff, you know. But again, like uh, I mean, it's only a very short clip, so there's not a whole lot you can kind of read off of. But but there's really nothing there that tells me there's been anything added or corrected with him. They're still banking off to that that right hand every every time out. Nothing's being set up. Uh, they're not working on the jab. What I'm seeing right now, you know, this could be completely just hey for show and they did it for show. But what we're seeing right now, it, it's just basically I I'm not seeing any improvement at all. Same old Wilder exactly. <laughs> That's a pretty good little sidestep that he's doing there. I do like that. You know? So right there, it should be jabbing. There you go. Use that jab. Again, they're just looking for that right hand. And nothing's like setting them up. He doesn't set anything up, and uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's my whole issue with him. 
He never sets anything up. JD doesn't look like he's trying to make him set anything up. I mean, you had your hand mid up. I mean, you shouldn't work it on the jab, work on the jab. Um, he's got the length. We know he's got the power and he's got the speed and the athleticism there. I mean, we saw him do that sidestep, you know, where he, he jumped to the side, he pivoted to the side, threw a body shot, and then come, came over the top with his right hand. We, we know he could do stuff like that. So it's not like he doesn't have footwork or he can't use it. Uh, it just seems like they want to focus what has been the the punch to, that's gotten them to where they're at, which is great. But you got to start adding on because now, you know, like Tyson Fury, you know, figured out the puzzle, which wasn't hard to figure out. Right. You know, so that little glimpse there. Um, I'm glad, though, he's back in the gym. I'm definitely glad that he's back in there and he's working on stuff and it looks like he's got his bearings back and, and he's ready to go and the confidence is there. All that you could read. He's got this confidence there. He still believes in that right hand. He still believes in that power, you know, but I do want to see a little bit more from him. You know, I want to see him work the jab. I definitely would like to see them start working on, you know, some type of uh, strategy, you know, some type of way of setting up his right hand, you know, the overhand right that he likes to throw. But I made a comment about this on Twitter when I saw the video. I was like, this is the perfect example of a guy walking into a gym for the very first time and is walking by some fighters working on, you know, working on the bag. And then they look at they look at the guy and they go, hey, can you hold the hand mitts for me while I hit him? And the guy's like looking around like, yeah, yeah, I could do that. And voila, he becomes a trainer for fighters. That's that's the vibe that I got. And that's what I threw out there, you know, but, you know. Let's see what happens. We've got to definitely see him get back into the ring, and then we can go off of there. Like I said, it's a really short clip of what we saw, but I wouldn't, um, ah, yeah, I wouldn't put my money that he's changed that all there, just like what Outlaw said, you know. What's up, Ron? How you doing, brother? Is Chicano in here? Yeah, Chicano's in here. That's right, man. What's going on, brother? Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining me. There's no us. There's only me right now here on uh, Leaving in the Ring. Uh, okay, man. So let's uh, let's let's break down this past weekend fights here. You know, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about Gabriel. I mean, um, not Gabriel Floyd. He's fighting this upcoming week. Adam Lopez and uh, um, and uh, Jason Sanchez. I went a little blank there for a moment though. But Adam Lopez, Blue Nose versus uh, uh, Jason Sanchez, which was on ESPN, uh, it ended up. Going to the scorecards, which I pretty much kind of saw that, foresaw that. I think a lot of us did. These guys weren't big, like big-time power punchers or anything like that. Um, they threw they're, – they're more volume punchers. I thought Jason uh, Vela, I mean, Sanchez um, is the boxer. Uh, I know Timothy Bradley was trying to say that it was it was uh, uh, Adam Lopez, Blue Nose, uh, which – I. You know, I mean, he did become the boxer in the second half of the fight. But going into the fight, I didn't see him being the more purest of boxers uh, between the two. I thought it was going to be Sanchez, and, and it was. I mean, Sanchez came out there, started using his uh, distance, started using his jab. Um, and I thought he was doing a great, great, great job, you know. Uh, it was up to Adam Lopez to change things around, to to make sure that he got himself in the fight. Because, you know what, Um he was behind those scorecards, okay? You know, here's the thing. I, I, you can't say that Adam Lopez, Blue Nose, is a one-trick pony, okay? 
Uh, and now the reason why I'm saying that is because we've seen him in brawls. We saw him against Oscar uh, uh, Valdez. It was a back and forth war. We saw him in his last fight. His face was all beat up. Uh, this time around, he was getting out box, but then he made the adjustment. Okay. And that was a smart, intelligent thing that he had to do. Okay. Now, however you scored it, however you looked at it, I would have been happy with the draw, even though I had Jason Sanchez winning by a point. I thought, and I spoke to other folks too. They were like, I had him by two points ahead. You know, um, I honestly haven't spoken to anybody that had Adam Lopez winning the fight. You know, they thought he did enough in the late rounds, but really lost all those early rounds, okay, in the beginning. Um, and some of those rounds were kind of swings. So it was kind of hard to, to kind of, you know, pick and stuff. That's why I was like, if it goes to a draw, I'm perfectly happy with it. Um, Adam Lopez got the win. I'm actually okay with that as well. I wouldn't call it a robbery or anything like that because I thought both men, uh, you know, made some real good cases of who would have won a certain round, okay? But you can't say that that Lopez won those early rounds. He, he really did it, okay? But this is what this is my issue with Adam Blue Nose Lopez as he moves on and forward and facing you know uh, bigger and, and better oppositions out there in the game. Okay, for one is this. Okay, is that uh, man? I know I'm going to get a lot of hate mail for saying this, so forgive me. But I got to be honest. That's part of me doing my job here on Leader Rings. I got to be honest with you guys of what I see and what I'm thinking. Okay, and it's just solely my opinion here. I got nothing against Buddy McGirt. I love Buddy McGirt. I think he's a great character, um, Hall of Famer, awesome guy. But I think Adam Lopez needs to move on. I think he needs to grow. And, and the reason I'm saying this is that I've spoken to Buddy McGirt numerous times, okay? And the one last conversation we had is when he had Kovala to get in, you know, getting, training Kovala to get ready for Canelo Alvarez. And I asked him, how much tape do you watch on your guys' opponent? And he has said, none. I don't watch any tape. I never watch any tape on any fighters. And if you do, you shouldn't be a trainer. I was like, I was kind of throw back, guys. I was like, what the, what? Like, I mean, I remember Emmanuel Stewart would say he would study fights for hours and hours. Uh, Eddie Reynoso and them, you could see they study tape on their opponents hours and hours so they can have a really good game plan. So the reason I'm saying this is that if you watch that fight, the reason why this kid didn't make an early adjustment is because he went in there blind. He didn't know what he was getting. He was going up against when he was facing uh, 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 Jason Sanchez. You know, it's that it took him about six or seven rounds to adjust, to finally like shake off whatever game plan he had in his head from the first round, which was put pressure and come forward and let his hands go. He had to shake that off. He had to like re, re, you know, re reset himself. Okay. And you imagine if they would have watched tape on Sanchez, you imagine if they would have studied Sanchez's style and kind of understood what they were going to be up against, that Adam Lopez wouldn't have to try to adjust on the fly. Like, you don't do those things unless you're in, in, in sparring mode. You know, that's when you throw about three or four guys in there with you to get your ad adrenaline up, to get your, you know, stamina, uh, to make you think on the fly, whether, you know, guys pressuring you, a guy's heavier, heavier than you. It makes you think of what you're going to do with footwork, uh, you know, uh, you know, how to catch your breath in between seconds so you can, you know, reserve yourself. You know, you don't do that on, on fight night. And while I was watching this, I'm like, you know, Adam Lopez is a, a he's a really talented kid. He's got some real serious skills skills here, you know. But I just don't think that's the greatest idea 
to have a, a kid who first off needs the ring experience, okay? So he kind of needs all the tools, you know, to be provided to him before fight night. It's not like a veteran guy, you know, uh, you know, like, like Arturo Gatti, who, who, or even like Sergey Kovla, you know, who, who can make these adjustments because they've been in the fight game for quite some time, okay? So they can adapt to it. You know, Adam Lopez is right now still fresh in his game. He shouldn't have to be overthinking these situations, uh, especially in the spare of the moment. I, I just thought that was a really bad call. And I thought that this fight was a lot tougher for Adam Lopez um, than it should have been if he would have had a game plan. And I think moving forward that if they don't, if he doesn't kind of like take a step back and look at, hey, I, I think I need to evolve here. I need to grow and get another trainer. Uh, like I said, it's no nothing against... Buddy McGirt, I think Buddy McGirt's a good trainer, but I think that when there's levels to this game, there's also levels to trainers. And he's to me, he's not an A side trainer, unfortunately. You know, throw throw you know throw a book at me. I don't I don't care. I mean, I'm I'm just stating what I obviously have seen for years through uh, Buddy McGirt. Hey, Rod, what's going on, brother? <laughs> War Valdez, yep. So, yeah, you know, let me know your feedback, what you guys think about that, you know. And uh, I, I obviously, you know, happy for the kid. Didn't think he got the win. I thought Sanchez did enough. I thought he beat him by a round to deserve the fight, to get the fight, not deserve, to earn that fight. Uh, Would have been happy with a draw. But, you know, Adam Lopez got it. Got it so now it's up to him. Whatever they're going to do, move forward. Uh, I think this time, though, whoever they're going to step in next time, they, they need a game plan. You know, adjusting on the fly, it's just, it's not going to work every time. And this fight with Sanchez almost, you know, slipped through his fingers, through his gloves. So that should be a hard lesson right there. That should be where him, himself and his team go, we need to make a change here. If we're going to continue this this uphill to get a title or fight the best fighters available out there, we need to be better prepared. And if Buddy McGirt's not doing that for them, where he's just, you know, now giving you instructions of what he's seen and thinking that you can adjust to that when when you didn't work on that, that's that's hard to do, man. It, it really, really, really is, right? I want to go into uh, Josh Warrington. And Mauricio Lara, El Bronco, he went out to the UK. Uh, there was no title on the line. I talked about this on Monday. Laura was coming down in weight. We knew Laura had power. He had KO power. Uh, we just didn't know that if it was going to translate to the to the elite level yet. You know, uh, Warrington. You know, um, <clears throat> exactly. Um, I agree with you, Ron. Yeah, yeah. Every coach has their style, philosophy. But if you imagine the MLB, NBA, NFL coaching staffs and players not watching film, no, absolutely not, absolutely not. And that's why I was like, I was kind of thrown back by that. I was just like, what? Like you don't? I mean, everybody should, you know, everybody. Even like fight tapes of yourself, you should go back and critique it because it's gonna matter. It's gonna matter a whole lot for you and stuff, you know? Um, so let's go on from there, man. <clears throat> cherry picking, cherry pick gone wrong. Yeah, there with the uh, Warrington. That's that's a great point, you know, because Warrington did pick him out 
not out of a phone book, but did pick, you know, Laura to, to get in there with them. And like I said, there was no title. Now, that first round, I got to admit to you, uh, I thought we were witnessing the old Warrington. I didn't really see any ring rust. I didn't see anything there that kind of suggested that this was going to be a long night. Um, if anything, the, the one thing that was outlined from the commentators to anybody that talked about this fight was that this fight with Laura wasn't worthy. Like Laura, did, you know, wasn't worthy of getting in there with Warrington. That this was just going to be a blowout. Uh, this was a stay busy fight. Who is this kid, Laura? Who who is this guy? Why is he in here? You know, why is he getting this opportunity against this undefeated guy that's been in with two, been in two uh, uh, fight of the year candidate fights? Right? Who is this kid? And I did state that sometimes cherry picking, cherry picking could go wrong, you know, and, and a lot of times too, when you get a guy that's undefeated and really the unknown, like you didn't know how tall he was, you really didn't know his weight. There was, you know, very limited uh, uh, fight tape on him, but the tape that you did, there was out there, you did see that this kid had some semi skills. Now, he's not the most skillful guy in the world. Remember I talked about how he would throw his right hand, but he would leap in the air. He kind of would tell you what he was going to do next. But I also said that he's he was he's he's well he likes to welcome in a firefight. That's something that he's not afraid of, okay? Another thing, he didn't have great head movement. I mentioned that. I said that he does have, uh, 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 give good body shots. Um and that this fight could have been a lot I had said this on Monday that this fight might be a lot better than people were suggesting. And guess what? Uh, it, it it went beyond that, right? Warrington goes out there, starts putting hands on him. And again, you know, it was not like it was a no Lord takes, you know, punches in the face. He was going to get hit a lot. And he took him. He ate him and he walked through them. And he started throwing some big shots, started throwing some body shots, started putting back the pressure. Well, Warrington didn't really back up. He was like, okay, you want to, you want to, you know, trade leather? Let's do it. He welcomed it too. You know, the thing is, is that it makes me wonder, did they watch tape on Laura? Did they make the mistake that Adam Lopez and Buddy McGirt did? You know, did the Warrington make that same mistake and say, you know what? This guy's a nobody. He fights only in Mexico. Um... But he probably didn't even know that he fought four times last year. They probably didn't even witness that he likes to throw body shots. They probably didn't even notice that he likes to use his head sometimes. He comes in with his head. So I thought there would be some head clashing, you know, which I think there was, you know. But they overlooked the kid. This was supposed to be an easy night. And if anything, if you watch boxing as long as I watch boxing, you know, there's no such thing as an easy fight for any fighter, you know. There's always a fighter who's either leading, go, walking into a fight injured or the fighter's going to get injured or the fighter gets into a fight that's a lot tougher than he should. We've seen this happen to a lot top top five guys. You know, They get in there with somebody that they think they're just going to mow right through and it ends up being a much more tougher fight because mentally they just won't prepare for them. But I don't think Warrington, you know, <clears throat> I think Warrington was there to fight. We saw what he was doing. He was letting his hands go. But Laura showed up to win and that's also what makes a dangerous kid that's coming from across the pond who has has an undefeated record when they don't have a defeat on their record they don't know what that feels like or even tastes like so they're obviously going to come to try to win now the kid did some great work now i gotta tell you this you know, I thought it was a good stoppage. Uh, Warranty was getting hurt a lot. I thought they should have stopped it a little earlier. It was getting touched way, way, way too much and stuff. 
But the thing that turned me off was the commentators, how, how many excuses they start. After Warrington gets dropped, how many excuses they started coming in, uh, you know, uh, for the narrative of that he wasn't ready, the ring rust, uh, you know, it affected him not fighting this year. Oh, blah, 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 blah. It was really, they kind of discredit what Laura was doing, which was he was landing body shots. And what, what he was doing was punching in between the shots of Warrington. And he was landing those too. The one thing about Laura, he likes to open up really wide. And he was doing that quite a few times. But Warrington was so buzzed and didn't have his feet underneath him that he couldn't even take advantage of it. You know, so I'm hoping, and they're already talking about Warrington saying, hey, I want the rematch. I, you know, thank you to all my fans. I want to make this fight happen again. I hope it happens again, you know, because I think they're going to go back and look at that tape and see those mistakes that they did. But it also, I hope that Laura, because there was no title, and if there's a title on the line this time, which you got to admit, this is going to be a, even a bigger fight, okay? Because of now the storyline, this kid comes from Mexico, goes over there and knocks out the champion, undefeated champion, okay? Um, hopefully they go back. And I think that that quarter is really underrated of what they were, the instructions they were giving Laura, the, you know, the motivation talks, the, uh, what they were telling them. I think that especially because in boxing, when a guy, he didn't get that title, but he did get this big historical win. Uh, it, it might boost him even to a better fighter and give them time to now, you know, actually have even a better plan to warrant you because they got to know, there's got, they got to understand and know that warrant is not going to come back with that same game plan, okay? He's not going to be that inviting. He's not going to want to stand there and try, to, you know, to match Webbles for Webbles. He's going to try to box, which would be the smart thing because now we found out that this kid, you know, KOs on his record, on that resume, now really, honestly, you could say it's elite power. It's not... B-level club fighter power, it's elite power. It could stop, it could turn the fight around the way it did on that past Saturday on the zone, man. Great fight. I hope it happens again, the rematch. Let me read some of the comments here. It's a uh, outlaw. UK boxing, beware of a young, hungry Mexican boxers you'd never heard of. Absolutely. Look what happened when Andy Ruiz got in with Anthony Joshua. How many, how many UK people, even not boxing, I mean, yeah, boxing media guys were like, who is this guy? You know, but you know, if you weren't around the Southern California circuit, a lot of folks, you know, passed on by Andrew Ruiz. They didn't know about Andrew Ruiz. It was us really hardcore fight fans that watched Andrew Ruiz, knew they had talent. Uh, Laura, I got to admit, I didn't know much about Laura, but I decided to go watch some tape because I was like, huh, Mexican kid getting in there. They handpicked him. That's kind of funny. Is he that bad or could it be that good? And I'm glad I went back and, and, and found some tape on him, um, you know, uh, and, and watched a couple of fights that he had. And I was like, hey, I think this is going to be a, a lot better than what most are thinking that's going to happen on Saturday night. And I'm glad I should I should have picked him and I did it. Because I, 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 my whole thing was that Warrington was going to let his hands go and maybe the ref was going to jump in and prematurely stop the fight because Laura doesn't have good uh, defense at, at all. His offense is on point, but his defense is terrible. He has no head movement. He walks into the punches. He eats them like Skittles. And I thought that was going to be a recipe for a stoppage, not by him getting dropped, but just by him accumulating too much punishment from Warrington. But... End up being the other way around. So it was a great fight. Here, Run says, I think Warrington could have won, but it seems like he got a little complicit from landing good shots, but the size difference in power was the difference down the stretch. I think so too. I don't think they, like I said, even if you went on box wrecks, Run, like there was no, 
there was nothing about his height. So we didn't, it was like, you know, they were fighting at TBA, to tell you the truth, on that night. Whatever you could have studied, you really didn't know if there was going to be size. I knew that either the weight would affect him or it was going to help him. You know, coming down to weight sometimes would affect you, tire you out a bit. Or it's gonna it's gonna help you walk down the little little guy. It also helps you absorb punches a lot better. So either way, sometimes you never know what happens until it's fight night. So let's move on from there, man. You know, um, I mean, we got a lot of great fights happening this week. You know, what other fight? Let me see what other fight did I just miss right now? What happened on Saturday, man? Because you know, Saturday was actually. Uh, really well. We didn't get the uh, we we didn't get the Smith Junior um, fight that that fell apart and stuff. But Kobe made a great 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 comeback. You know Robert Comey, uh, he made a great comeback. You know um, we talked about, I talked about that on the quick take, so I won't get too much into that. But um, you know I'm hoping that we see him move forward. Verdejo uh, did say on the social media, "Let's make it happen." He's 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 like I'm for that one. I want to see that happen. So let's make that fight happen. I, I, I hope. I hope. I don't see what the problem would be there on, uh, would be to stop that fight from happening later on, uh, you know, late this year uh, or early next year between uh, Richard Comey and um, Felix uh, Brodejo, okay? So let's move on forward. Let's get down to the fights, man, that we have this weekend. I, we got some great fights, you know. Um, I mean, you guys already know this, so I don't have to tell you much. So let's go on really quick here on this. You know, you got your ESPN, Miguel Bartet versus Oscar De, uh, Valdez on Showtime. You got Adrian Broner against uh, Giovanni uh, Sa uh, uh, Santiago. Then you got uh, David Avanesian versus Josh Kelly on zone as well. Man, there's going to be... And even on the undercards, we got some really, really good, good, good fights, man. Outlaw, he did. Comey looked good. He is a player at 135, and there's a lot of fights out there to keep. It's a ring robin with this 135 division. It's just really that all these guys now got to hone down and start fighting each other and and mix it up, mix it up, you know? Um, you know, they all want the shot at Teofimo Lopez. You know, Comey wants that rematch. He wants to redeem himself, you know? So what he's got to do is he's got to fight the fights to get Teofimo Lopez cornered and say, okay, Let's make that happen. Hopefully, that's if Teofimo Lopez is still in the division, which we will talk about uh, a little later here on the show um, after we uh, talk about the weekend picks here on uh, Leaving the Ring and stuff. Okay, so I'm going to go with the first fight on ESPN, which is the co-main event, which is Gabriel Flores out of Stockton, California, which now he lives in uh, Las Vegas. And then uh, he's going to be facing Jason Valez, which I think is a great, great test, a big Big test for the young Gable Flores, uh, who's got 19 wins, six KOs under his belt. He's not a big puncher, but he is a hell of a boxer. You know, whereas uh, Jason Velez is the veteran fighter. You could consider him as a gatekeeper, uh, but he's one hell of a gatekeeper. He's not a guy that's just going to pass you the key under the door. You're going to have to knock down the door in order to get through. Okay, so he's got 29 wins, seven uh, losses. He's, he's, he's only been stopped once. He got 21 KOs under his record. But if you look at that resume, it is steep, okay? Uh, the guys that he's lost to, you know, they have all become champions. Oscar Valdez, you know, uh, Ryan Garcia. The list goes on, okay? So this is a very tall order, in my opinion, for Gabriel Flores Jr. If Gabriel Flores Jr. and his pops didn't do their homework, which I, I believe they did, I know they're smart enough. That they're not going to try to make an adjustment on the fly. 
Uh, they're going to probably have a very solid game plan going out there, which is not trying to be the slugger, be the boxer in this fight. You know, uh, allow Valdez to lead the dance and just counter counter shot him as much as you can and pivot and move. Give him a, a bunch of different angles. Uh, let Valdez shoot a lot of air, uh, punch a lot of air, or, or catch a lot of the gloves from, excuse me, Gable Flores, you know. Gable Flores, in my opinion, <clears throat> doesn't want to get in a firefight with Valdez. And he doesn't want to match him with Manstre. The one thing about Gabriel Flores that I've said this and said this about him, I think I like what I see from him. Um, he passes the eye test, but he still hasn't peaked that manhood yet. You don't see he's got that man strength yet. He's still got that very you know baby face kid. Uh, you know, looks like he just graduated uh, junior high. Um, but you can't you can't deny the fact that he does have a good boxing IQ. He's got great hand speed. He's got good footwork. Um, he knows how to counter punch. He's got a good jab. It's decent. Um, but it's I, in my opinion, it, there's going to have to be a little bit more to that ingredient to keep off Jason Valdez. This kid, Jason Valdez, has seen all the tricks. He's seen all the speed. He's seen all the power. So you know, Valdez has got a, a great A chin. You know, so this is where Gabriel Flores' team has got to come up with something more creative going into this fight. Because if not, um, there's a strong possibility that Jason Valdez is just going to mow through whatever this kid does and try to maul him up. Try to get in there, throw some short shots, bang him up. Uh, let him know that you have stepped up. This is probably three steps up the ladder than you should have been doing right now. You know, I, I, I applaud the kid. I think this is a great step up and stuff. But to be honest with you, if I had to make a pick right now, um, I want to have to go with Jason Valdez. I just think he's too far experienced. I know some folks will say, well, there's wear and tear. He's been in a lot of wars. Um, every time he steps up to, 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 to be the guy that's a top, a top guy that's leading into the top 10, top 15, he's always at the short end of the stick. Very true. But go back to what I was saying about Gabriel Flores. Still very young. Still had, doesn't have that man strength. May not be able to keep off a man in Jason Valdez off of him. Okay, could he outmaneuver him? Maneuver him? I think he could, and I think that's going to be the key. It's outmaneuver him. Okay, meaning he's got to have fresh legs, got to have strong legs. He can't sit there and and risk waiting for the receipt against Jason Valdez. You know, Jason Valdez has got 21 knockouts on the 21, 29 fights he's, he's, he's been in, so you know he's got some power there. So you know that he can cause some damage. You know, so this is where Gabriel Flores is pairing, right? Pairing shots, moving, giving angles, and making sure if he, if there is a punch that's land from Jason Valdez, it's going to be one of those grazing punches, you know, where he just turns his face with the punch. His job is going to really be to frustrate the older fighter. Frustrate him, make him make mistakes, and make him overcommit, and then you can capitalize. It's the only way I can see Gabriel Forrest winning this fight. It's not impossible. It can happen. But I'm leaning a little more with Valdez. I think that he may have it because of the ring experience. We won't know until that night, Saturday night. That's why we watch the fights, right? Let's see, A-Rod said, Comey doing what everyone else needs to do instead of waiting. Absolutely. Absolutely. You got to love the real fighters out there, the fighters that want to fight. Because they don't have, you know what, they have to fight. You know, they don't have all the, the pearl clutches right now to say, like, let me sit back. Let me enjoy the view. We're like Tilfimo Lopez. I mean, 
he was, he's able to sit back and go, look, I don't want to do this deal. You know, uh, top rank's got to pay me now, you know, and if it's, it's business. Damn, I bet you that, that was like chalkboard running across the board for Bob Aram to hear another one of his fighters to say, this is business, nothing personal. You never, you never think the employee will finally step up and say, I don't, I don't want to be an employee anymore. I want to be an entrepreneur just like you. I want what you got, right? And good for him, good for him, but don't stall it too long. You got to get those fights out there and hopefully that, you know, when they go back into that negotiation table, that they're able to come up with a good plan for Teofimo Lopez because guess what? He owns the crown. He's the king of the block, man. So I think it's, he has, he earns every right to go, I don't want to fight for this much anymore. You know, that's not what I want. I know that's what I signed before, you know, but this, this is what I should go. Why not shop it around? That's where he's going. And that's being, it's being smart. It's being smart. It could either work for him or it can bite him on the, bite him in the ass, right? That's all we could, that's all we could say. Okay. Before I get into the whole Barchette and Valdez fight, I want to go on with one of my favorite fighters, Adrian Broner, and I know it's one of your guys' favorite pro- uh, fighters, The Problem, okay, who's going to be fighting this Saturday on Showtime against a very unknown uh, fighter from Puerto Rico, Santiago, who's got 14 wins, one draw, and 10 KOs. Now, Broner's got the more you know standout resume. He's got 33 wins, four losses. Uh, one draw, 24 knockouts underneath his belt. The last time we see him, last time we saw him fall was with Manny Pacquiao, which he lost in that fight. Uh, that was back in 2019. Uh, Santiago fought last year only once. Okay, now, guys, this could be another case. What's up, G Funky? Didn't see you're in there, man. Thanks for joining the show, guys. This could be another case again of of a guy showing up and not doing what everybody's suggesting. He's supposed to be like Laura, like Ruiz. Okay. Santiago, I went back and watched tape on him. And I got to tell you this. He's, he has, he does good body work. He lands heavy shots to the body. He's got a good right hand. Uh, He's a come forward pressure guy. And he does something to a lot of, a lot of the guys that Broner have beat. Santiago does something that, that they didn't do to, to Broner, which is let his hands go. Okay. When you look at the guys that Broner was able to get past, because Broner can never get over the hump of beating an A-level guy. He's always, you know, came up short. He doesn't let his hands go enough. He doesn't do, you know, doesn't move enough. Uh, he's too busy thinking in his head about million, billions rather than thinking about at the moment. But every guy that he's beat before that have also kind of been reserved in their punches so he's been able to tee off of that and pot shot and throw one or two punches here every 30 to 45 seconds Santiago is not that kind of a fighter Santiago actually likes to close that distance and he likes to go to the body and he likes to come right back up to the head with a left hook then he throws that right hand Santiago is actually a physical fighter okay where Broner is a physical fighter himself. You're getting close. Broner doesn't mind putting his weight on you. 
He'll put that weight on you. Now, talent-wise, you got to go with Broner. And that's what everybody's going to say. Like, well, you know, more talented person is Broner. More limited and what they could do in the ring, Santiago. That's the obvious there. So we can wipe that away and, and, and because that's something we can point out. E, that's easy to point out. But let's point out about Broner. Okay? The, the obvious in Broner. One, he's been partying this whole time, okay? This is the guy that's a part-time fighter, part-time rapper, part-time porn star, part-time getting locked up. He's a problem, okay? And as we all know this, a fighter's got to live a certain lifestyle, a warrior's mindset. Not saying that Broner's not a warrior, but he doesn't carry that warrior mindset, meaning keeping his body clean, uh, uh, you know, running, keeping his body in fighting shape. The reason why Manny Pacquiao's lasted so long in this game is because he kept himself in fighting shape and he keeps his mind sharp and fresh and ready to go. Agent Broner has abused this body. Alcohol, drugs, if he's doing that, not staying in shape, fluctuating in his weight, all that eventually has got to catch up. Okay, he's still a young cat. I mean, he's in his 30s, but you got to admit, when you look at him, he doesn't look like he's in his 30s. So I'm wondering, here's where I'm thinking, okay? Santiago, who is an undefeated fighter, and I remember what happened in the UK against Warrington. You had a guy named Laura show up undefeated. When you have a guy that's undefeated, that hasn't tasted defeat, that doesn't know that he's supposed to be the loser in this fight, he can cause problems. Meaning that he's going to show up and he's going to try to win this fight. This kid Santiago knows that beating Broner, it's only going to open up doors for him to get bigger bigger purses, bigger paydays, bigger fights. Okay? Because you would have to admit that if he beats Broner, beats him, it's an upset. We get two in a row. And a lot of times if you watch boxing, it's normally we get our upsets always in the beginning of the year. For some reason, it's always the beginning of the year, okay? So Santiago has to go out there and let his hands go. Don't worry about the shoulder roll, the straight right, which Broner's going to throw. If he's, if he's anything we're going to see of Broner or older, you're going to see that straight right. That's the only right that he's always had. It hasn't been diminished. It's, it's always looked good. My question is, even though you could say, well, look how his body looks. He looks good. That's a shell. We don't know how it really is operating the inside, okay? We really don't know how his body's going to handle uh, 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 a guy that's going to throw body shots at him and head shots. A guy that's okay about being physical, you know? We don't know if his body's going to actually break down. Uh, we don't know much about Broner right now. All we know about Broner is that the tabloids have been showing us he's still partying up. And now, how many times have you heard this from Adrian Broner? I'm finally taking the fight game serious. How many times? Just way too many times. So eventually, all of this stuff that he's been doing, it catches up. Think about this too, okay? In the history of fighters that haven't talked, that have all the talent in the world and they've never taken the fight game to that serious point because either they got a taste of money, they got a taste of power, they got a little taste of the top of the hill and they went on to this like hiatus of let me just party up. Let me live like a king. They sometimes never are able to get it back. And Broner has tried. He has how many attempts of trying to get back what a lot of people thought he was supposed to be? I think there's a strong possibility that Santiago puts that stamp on him and mails his ass right back where he was at before getting back into the gym. 
So I'll give you my pick. Is there a possibility that Broner's going to go out there and land that right hand on Santiago and probably even rock him here or there and make it a tough fight? I think so. I think you might be right. But I'm going to bet more on picking the fact that his body's not going to respond as well. If he's a one-handed fighter then when he fought Manny Pacquiao, I'm wondering how much of a one-handed fighter he's going to be against Santiago. I'm betting that Santiago's going to show up to want to win this fight, to go out there and do his job, not fear what Broner's going to do, but he's just going to throw a lot of value in punches. I'm going to go with Santiago for the win against Adrian Broner on Showtime Saturday, man. Tell me what you guys think there on uh, the chat room, and uh, tell me if I'm wrong or right here. I did have... Uh, a mill cars, but I I, I, uh, I have to look for right now. Um, so let's see what other fight. Oh, man, I really like this fight, guys. Josh Kelly, which is going to be on the zone against uh, David Avanesian. Uh, Avanesian, um, Josh, Josh Kelly's got 10 wins, you know, eight, six KOs under his belt. One draw. Uh, David Avanesian, you got a, he's got an extensive uh, a resume. 26 wins, three losses. Uh, you know, one draw. He's got 14 KOs. I think this is actually a really good step up for Josh Kelly. Josh Kelly, you can't. You got to admit, he's he's got a lot of talent. He's got good hand speed. Uh, he's got good movement. But but and, and he had that draw with Ray Robinson. I mean, there's there's something there. We just don't know how much of it is really truth because of the guys that he's been facing, right? With David is kind of a wear and tear. You know what I mean? I mean, so he's, you know, Josh Kelly's kind of getting Avanesian at, like, at the right time. You know, because he might show up and, and he may be like Broner. His body may not be able to respond. Um, he may be two punches behind Josh Kelly. Kelly's hand speed may be a little bit too much. Uh, his movement may be a, a little too much, which we know David's going to have to chase him. He's going to have to trap Josh, he's going to really have to have to trap him down. What's up, blood? How you doing, brother? Thanks for joining us. You know, um, so I, I'm really interested in this fight. I think it could be a really ugly fight for Josh Kelly if David's body is responsive, if he can show up and try to cut that ring off. I don't think he's going to cut the ring off. I don't think he's really good at that. Uh, but I think what he, all he's going to be able to do is just come forward, try to maul him up, try to make it ugly. Because that's the best that he's going to do against this kid, uh, Josh Kelly. You know, uh, Josh Kelly's biggest problem is that he tries to be a little too flashy. You know, rather than just trying to do his work and, and just go off of what he can do, which he does have speed, he tries to incorporate all this other stuff into it to make it, you know, give it like pleasing to the eye. But that's kind of cost him sometimes where he stays in that pocket too long and he gets countered. Uh, he can't afford that. He can't afford that in this fight. You know, he, he's going to have to be on point because, like I said, if David's there and his body's his body doesn't betray him. This is going to be a long night for Josh Kelly. Okay, and this is a good. This is a big step up, in my opinion. The way Gabriel Flores Jr. is stepping up to face Balas, uh, uh, it's a big step up for both guys. So I'm excited about that. I'm going to pick Josh Kelly. I just think that he's got, you know, he's the much fresher kid. Um, I think Davis just got a lot of wear and tear in his body. Uh, I think Dave is going to be two punches behind him. And I think the speed's going to cause a little problems there for him. Um, and I think that if Josh, uh, uh, you know, uh, Josh Kelly just 
stays away from him and doesn't try to mix it up too much and picks his shots, I think it should be, uh, you know, a guaranteed victory at the end of those rounds. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> Man, is Broden even going to make weight for the fight? Um, I'm hoping. I'm definitely hoping. I mean, he's been in the gym. He's been, excuse me, <clears throat> he's been working his ass off. I mean, what I've seen, you know. Uh, Broden has four losses, could easily have a seven. Many thought Manaji, Ponce de, I thought Ponce de Leon did beat him. I did, and I, I, I had the pleasure of talking to Ponce de Leon. Um, you know, and uh, yeah, definitely, definitely thought that 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 Ponce de Leon uh, beat him, man. And uh, so let's get down to the main event, okay? Which everybody's pumped up for, really excited about this. Thank you, COVID, for not stopping this fight from happening. We have two Mexicanos, Oscar Valdez versus Miguel Barchant, uh, both stepping in. Um, this is going to be a hell of a fight, guys. You know, I mean, I. The only thing that I'm hoping for is that Andre Ward, Timothy Bradley, and whoever else is going to be the third man pitcher, um, allow this fight to speak for itself when they start trading gloves. There doesn't need to be a lot of commentary. There doesn't need to be a lot of storylining or tell us visually what we're watching. These two guys are going to show up to try to take each other's head, okay? This could, this is going to be possibly, I mean, not possibly, I'm pretty sure we're going to be guaranteed a firefight between two Mexicano warriors going in there to, you know, that are fighting off of uh, pride and everything else that makes up a good fight, okay? That's the only thing that I'm worried about is hearing these guys over talk, you know, and I don't want to, I don't want to turn it down the value because I want to hear the punches land between the two, okay? Now, Miguel Bartet fought last time, last time we saw him in there was in, uh, uh, 2020, same thing with Oscar Valdez, uh, 2020, they were a month apart, uh, from each other, um, let's get down to the breakdown, okay, Miguel obviously gets hit a lot, we know that, okay, um, he's got his limitations, uh, and, and it hasn't really cost him, it cost him earlier in his career, he had that one blemish, but he's been able to work through that. And the reason why he's been able to work with that because he, you know, he, he works to the body really good. He's a hard puncher. Um, he throws in every angle. Um, he knows how to push you back. Um, he keeps his punches pretty short when he's in close with you. Oscar Valdez, hand speed, too. He also, same thing. You know, um, he does get clipped. He can get dropped. But the way he recoups is pretty good. You know, he can get hurt, but he gets right back up and he's right back into the game, okay? With this fight here, I think that what would really for Valdez, he's got to keep his hands up high in this fight. He has the tendency of dropping his hands and he likes to drop them down to where the gloves are like nipple level and that's where he starts shooting off his punches. He, I can't see him doing this. Everything's got to come up high for him, okay? And the reason I'm saying that is because when Miguel's going to come forward, to, to collide with him, Miguel, when he does come forward, he doesn't walk in forward. He actually walks in throwing a left hook or throwing a right hook, okay? And that's why he's got to keep it high so he can catch the shots. And he's going to have to really, Oscar Valdez is going to have to shoot right down that middle. Or else I just see him getting clipped a lot as well. 
I don't think either one of these guys are going to be, you know, the you know the the slickest guys in the world. I don't think any one of these guys is going to do that. You know, Oscar Valdez tends to walk himself back. We saw that with the Mariaga fight. He walks himself back to those ropes. He traps himself. Um, but he's also he when he does do that, he does seem to work his way out of there. But I don't think that's a great idea. Again, going in with Barchet. I mean, if anything, Barchet's going to like that. He's that's what he's banking for. That's what he's kind of hoping that that's what uh, uh, you know Oscar's going to do is walk himself back. Okay, um, but at the same time, Miguel can't just think that you know what I'm going to go walk in there and and I'm going to you know uh, I'm going to you know it's going to be easy for me to walk in and then throw these big punches on him. You know. Um, He's going to walk into something big. So he's got to have a little bit of head movement. And he's got to like keep an eye on that. And I saw what like Run said. Um, <clears throat> hey Dave, do you think Valdez has shorter punches and better combos with Manny Robles? Um, I think he does. But I think that to tell you the truth, Run, I think that a lot of what, this, what he's going to do is going to go off the door. What, I, what I'm kind of foreseeing is that Miguel is going to put a lot of pressure on him. And that's going to force Oscar to open up more than what, what the team is hoping for him to do. Um, this is where it, it kind of boils down to discipline. Can he discipline himself? Um, you go back with the Adam Lopez Blue Nose fight. He opened up because he fought off of like being dazed, you know, which is like if you bite the dog, the dog's going to attack you immediately. He doesn't even look to see if it's his master. He's just going to attack, right? And that's what Oscar does. Like he, he gets hurt and he his like his tendency is to, to attack you back. And that's where he's got to be smart, you know? So I think whatever they're learning and whatever they're working, I think it's going to work for a while. But I think that it's going to revert for Oscar to fall back to who he is, which is being a dogfight. And that's going to be Miguel's, you know, uh, territory. That's his area of expertise is for you to want to get into that dogfight. He did it with Francisco Arvarez, you know. Um, but I think that what Oscar can do to slow down Miguel, Miguel's uh, onslaughts is to work that body. I think that Oscar needs to work that body. I also think he needs that jab. You know, I think he needs to establish a jab immediately. Because if you go watch with watch any of the fights with, with, with Miguel Barchel, that the jab actually makes them reset. Anytime you get a pressure fighter, if you jab them, they, they always have to reset. Once they plant their feet and they're pushed back, they have to take those two steps forward, reset themselves again to throw big shots. So I think that Oscar, honestly, is going to have to be Moving from left to right. Keep turning Miguel. Keep turning him, gal. But don't make that ring, you know, smaller than what it is. And what I mean by that is that once you start going, once Oscar starts, if he does give him angles, going left to right, left to right, don't walk backwards, okay? If you're going to go right, pivot right, okay? And circle him around. So it turns Miguel. You want to turn Miguel, who's a much flat, more flat-footed puncher, um, where he's got to actually pick his feet up so there's no power. So if he does throw power, it's going to be off the heel of his legs. I mean, not the toes of his, toes of his legs. So there's not going to be nothing, a, a whole lot there. It's going to be more like arm punches and stuff. But that's a lot harder to be done than said, you know, in my opinion. I, I, you know, I know like some of my 
my partners on the Living Ring Familia are picking Valdez, and they think that. And I, I, I you know what? I, I see a strong possibility, you know. But I also see that Valdez. It kind of weighs on um, Valdez a, a, a little, a little more. Okay, I think that he's got to. He's got to have these moments to attack, and they got to be smart attacks, okay? Which I mean by that is Miguel, Miguel at times will take a layoff. You ever notice that? Is after he pressures you, he kind of allows you to gain your bearings back, and he gives it a few like he like he'll take a minute off, and he'll just follow you without throwing a punch. That's when Oscar needs to attack. That's when Oscar needs to jump right on him to make Miguel. You know, fight out of character. You know, make Miguel work a little harder than he's used to. You know, don't let him have complete, you know, uh, uh, comfort in there, meaning a ring generalship. Make it his fight. Don't make it his fight. I mean, it's going to be his fight when you guys attack, but make him work for everything he throws. Let's see how conditioned he is for this fight, you know? And the way you do that is, like I said, is by moving, making him work the legs, and then when he rests, you attack him. And you work that body. Anytime Valdez gets in there, he's going to have to work that body. And he's going to have to use that jab. In my opinion, he can't get wide with his shots at all. Everything's going to have to come off that elbow. And everything's going to have to be short. Because when Valdez, when when Barchet attacks him, you know, he's got to be right there in that pocket. And he's going to have to shoot right down that middle. Forget about wide shots and everything else. Just work right down that middle. And I, I can see Barchet getting clipped a lot from those punches, you know. And... Sometimes those shorter punches are the ones that are a little bit more hurtful than those wide punches because Barchet's going to see a lot of those wide shots that Oscar throws, you know, at an amount of times that he's done throughout his career, you know. <clears throat> and I think that's what they're hoping for. Like I said, Miguel, I believe what they're hoping is that Oscar walks himself back, Oscar opens up, Oscar uh, fights off of feelings, doesn't fight smart. And they're going to able to break them down gradually, gradually down the rounds, gradually, and then have, a, uh, I would say, a late stoppage between like 9th or 10th. That's what they're hoping for. Oscar size, side team, <clears throat> I don't know if they're thinking, let's take the fight to him. Let's see how strong he is. I don't think that's a great idea. And I don't think that, that they're thinking that's the great, greatest idea to do. I think that what they're wanna, going to want to do is use the whole four corners of the ring. Okay. What they also going to want to do is use that jab and point out everything else that I pointed out is what they should do, what they should do. But what I've seen lately, he doesn't do that. So it's really hard for me to believe that he's going to come with this new plan. It's not like it can't be done. It's happened before. We've seen fighters fight one way and they come back and it's the fight of their life. They come out and they fight a different way. You know, come to mind right now, uh, Marcos Antonio Barrera when he fought Prince Nassim Hamed. Nobody thought that Barrera would be able to, to box strategically against Prince Nassim Hamed, and he did. Can't say that Oscar can't do that, but I haven't seen Oscar do any of that. No glimpse, you know. And the pressure fighter that he did face, Mariarga, Mariarga, uh, he went out there and he backed up Oscar, and it was a tough fight for him. When he got in there with the, the lesser puncher, Blue Nose Lopez, and it was a firefight, Lopez at some times was getting the better of the two. I don't see Valdez wanting to get the better of the two against uh, Miguel Barchet, who's a bigger, bigger puncher. I think he needs to fight smart in this fight. I think he needs to be on his toes. I think he needs to, you know, uh, uh, 
be selective in his attacks. He needs to look for the pockets to attack Miguel Barchan, which is when he rests and he takes off a, a minute off of a round. That's when he needs to execute, and he needs to execute with that jab. The jab, to me, is where he needs to build up points. What's my pick, guys? Well, I'm going to go with Miguel Barchan. I just think that Mar Miguel is just going to be too much. He's going to come forward. He's going to make Oscar fight, uh, overfight on some position. He's going to make Oscar trap himself. Um, he's going to make Oscar open up open up shots where they're wide. And Barchet's just going to be there first with his punches. So I see a late stoppage uh, at, honestly, I think the 10th round. I think that Miguel can get the job done. That's my pick. Tell me what you guys are picks on here on the, um, there is a ring uh, difference. And, uh, Yeah, Barchet 71 and a half and about this 6-6 and reach a big, big, big difference. But it's not a big difference if Miguel doesn't use it. That's that's one thing you got to point out. Like Miguel doesn't really use his reach because he likes to walk, walk you down. Um, he's a pressure fighter, so he does like to get that phone booth style. So I'm not too worried about that. You know, I think that 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 six six reach for Valdez can work with for him as a jab, just because the fact that I I could see that Miguel is not going to use an effective jab. His jab is more of like a like a, a range finder, in my opinion. Okay, um, he looks for the distance. He, he you know tries to work out your you know your your kinks and what you do. And then he attacks and stuff, you know. Um, there's not like, there's not so many, there's not so many faces for Miguel Barchet's style. He's, he's like, there's two faces of him. And I think that's how he's going to execute it. It's just, like I said, it's a little harder to do it um, than to say it, you know. And I think that Valdez has all the tools in the world. I think he does. I really like Valdez. I like Oscar. I think Oscar's a very talented fighter. Um, but I think he's got to be in top shape and have a grade A game plan against Miguel Barchet, in my opinion. Okay, so that was my pick. That was my pick between the two. Um, if you guys want to throw in your pick and let me know here in the chat room, I'll definitely uh, throw that up there. Um, I'm really excited about this fight, man. It's been a long time where I'm like, damn, this is going to be a hell of a good fight, you know. Um, honestly, I can tell you, I really don't care who wins this fight. I just want fireworks. I want to be able to lose my voice on Saturday night from screaming my head off and acting a damn fool. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's we deserve it. Think about it. We've been on lockdown practically all through 2020. Um, you know, uh, fighters jerking us left and right talking about cross the street or more money in my purse or et cetera, et cetera. We deserve a fight where two guys are going to go out there and just leave it in the ring. You know, that's, that's what I'm hoping for. And I think that's what we should expect from these two guys. I think that's what they're going to deliver. It's going to be signed and delivered by, by these two guys. Um, I could see it easily in the beginning of these rounds. Uh, both guys are like, uh, you know, filling each other out. I, but I don't think it's going to be like two or three rounds in where they're filling each other out. I think within that second round, you know, bang, we're going to have an explosion between the two. J-Rod says, I still got Valdez, but fans are the real winners if it becomes a historical war. I, I absolutely 
Absolutely agree, brother. I definitely, definitely, uh, definitely agree. You know, so let me see. What do we got here? What, what was that? What was the topics? I don't even remember the topics I wanted to throw up on here. Oh, I'll go for all first, man. Haney and uh, Devin Haney and uh, um, um, oh man, I put Lopez. I don't know why I put Lopez. It was supposed to be Linares. They're looking about. They're talking about fighting in April. Jorge Linares, uh, you know, put out there in Twitter to Devin Haney. Let's let's make it happen. And there's rumors that they are sitting down trying to make negotiations between the two to to, to fight, which I think is a great step up. Uh, a very tough fight to get to go up against uh, Jorge Linares. It's about as tough as when Ryan Garcia decided to go up there against Campbell. I like the fight. I don't know what you guys think about it. I love this fight. I think it's a great fight for Devin Haney. I think it erases a lot of the questions that we have for him. Um, it definitely um, puts him up there in terms of the criticism that we've had uh, in the past about him, about not facing anybody, like getting an old Gamboa. You haven't really fought anybody. Jorge Linares is a name, and that's a hell of a name to have on your resume if you can get past him, okay? How much is left in Jorge Linares? We don't know. I think there's a lot left in Jorge Linares, to tell you the truth. I mean, look how much he was giving uh, uh, Lomachenko problems in that fight when they, when they had that fight, okay? I mean, he dropped and hurt, not once, but twice, or I think even three times, uh, you know, uh, Lomachenko. So, Devin Haney, this is definitely a major, major step up. And, and, and also, it answers whether or not is Devin Haney the real deal. Or is he just all talent against B-level guys or over-the-hill over guys? You know, is he just that, you know, phenomenal looking against those guys and he's just going to look like an average Joe against a Jorge Linares? I agree with you, Ron. That's a tough one for Haney. Linares is a pretty big 135. He also can box. He can move. He can punch. Um, his chin, you know, it's not the greatest. You know, there's a, you know, doesn't have the greatest resistance uh, um, in his chin. He has been knocked out. But if you look at the guys that have knocked him out, just look at the names. It's enough said there. You know, where Devin, we don't really know a whole lot about Devin. What we've seen, we know, but we don't know the unknown because he hasn't stepped it up to fight the top guys. And Jorge Linares is definitely a top guy. You, you can't say that Jorge Linares is not a top guy at all. A-Rod says, good fight, but people are already saying Linares is washed up. Linares is, gonna, uh, Linares is going to put Devin to the test. I, 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 you know, <clears throat> I said this a long time ago. I said, if I listen to social media, listen, if social media was around back when and, um, um, Mickey Ward and, and Arturo Gotti fought or Barrera versus Morales, they have all would have been saying the same thing. When Diego Corrales was stepping in with Jose Luis Castillo, I remember my close-knit of friends were like, I don't want to watch that fight, bro. These, those, both these guys already lost. They're over the hill. Uh, Jose, Jose uh, uh, Luis Castillo is, Castillo is not going to make a good fight. And I was like, this is going to be a great fight. And what did we end up getting? Out of all those fights we just mentioned, what did we end up getting? Phenomenal fights. You know, a lot of people always think that it's the AA-level guys. They're going to give us the greatest fights, right? It's always like, oh, these guys, you know, this pay-per-view event, it's... Normally, it doesn't turn out that way. 
It's always another guy fighting, fighting back for his position or fighting for that position. And Jorge Linares obviously is fighting to stay, to get back in that position. You know, I would have called him washed up. He didn't look washed up fighting uh, uh, Lomachenko. And what was said about him stepping in with Lomachenko? They said the same exact thing. This guy's over the hill. This guy can't take a punch. He's going to get knocked down the second, first round. You know, and it didn't even happen. He actually started hurting Lomachenko and hurt Lomachenko where he had to step on the gas to get that win. So, and Devin Haney's not a world beater either. You know, if that was the case, what happened with Gamboa? He couldn't really do much with Gamboa. I mean, that fight was really hard for him. I mean, if, okay, if, let's here's here's a funny. If Jorge Linares is a washed-up fighter, which Gamboa was, and gave Devin Haney a lot of problems, then what is Jorge Linares going to do? Who actually has two good two good legs, not one. That's why sometimes I don't even listen to the 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 so-called fans that are on social media or or even that do bot podcasts or YouTube. Don't bother listening to it because it's. Boxing is the unknown. That's why we watch the sport. Yep. Yayo Thompson, who I had after he had knocked out Lenaris, um, had him on leaving the ring. It was a great talk. You know? Yep, back then, Ryan wouldn't have been talked about as much. No, he wouldn't have been. Wouldn't have been. But do you imagine how many... People would have shitted on fights, um, you know, like Paul Iman, Paul Iman, fuck that guy, um, Paul Ayala versus Bone Adams, you know, uh, that was a great fight, you know, Johnny Tapia versus Paul Ayala, you know, I remember people were like, Paul Ayala, I mean, who's, what's this guy done, blah, 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 and look, we end up getting great fights, you know. Uh, I mean, look, even the Errol Spence and Sean Porter, you guys remember that? Everybody's like, that's going to be a shitty fight. Errol Spence is going to walk right through him. And it ended up being a, a hell of a fight. That a majority of folks think that Sean Porter won that fight. That should he should have gotten that fight. Should have gotten that win. Sometimes there's truth to some fights where like, yeah, that fight shouldn't happen. Shouldn't happen. But then there's other times where like, Look at the Laura fight with Warrington. How many people were tweeting and, and putting out there like, this fight shouldn't happen. This is a shitty fight. Warrington is going to walk right through this dude. It didn't happen. Did not happen. Andrew Reese gets a shot at the title against AJ for all the bouts that he was holding. And same thing was being said. Same, same thing. You know, Sometimes I just go, dude, let's just see it happen. What's the worst that's going to happen? Devin Haney shows up and knocks out Jorge Linares, and that's it. It's over. It's a great name on his resume. He needs these names on his resume to tell you the truth. He's looking to fight for at fights to get in with uh, uh, Teofimo Lopez, Lomachenko, Ryan Garcia. He needs some leverage. Your Orkis Gamboa is not that leverage, guys. He's not the leverage there to put at the negotiating table and say, look, look what I got. Look what I've done. Ryan Garcia right now could say, I beat an Olympian. One of the top five guys. A guy that went the distance with Lomachenko. 
Jorge Linares. I knocked him out. Nobody knocked him out. I knocked him out. You couldn't even knock out Gamboa. Brian Garcia has, you know, leverage with that. He's a step above that. So that's where Devin Haney, in my opinion, that's what he needs. He needs a Jorge Linares on his resume, and he needs to be impressive. But just get that win. First, let's get the fight. Then let's work to get that win. That's what I think. You know, that needs to happen. You know? I don't know why. I mean, then if not Jorge Linares, then who else? Who else does he go after? Who, who, who else is a good name for him to go, oh, let me get this guy. You're not going to get Ryan Garcia. That's not going to happen. I don't see Lomachenko. I don't, I don't see that happening. You know? I don't, you know, you're not going to get Lopez. Not at this moment. So to me, I think the obvious is Jorge Linares, which he's on the zone as well. He's with Golden Boy. That fight should happen next. I think it's the easiest fight to be made. Next, right? Fortuna. That'd be a great fight. That's another great name on his resume if he could get the win. And I keep saying if because the fact of the matter is, is we don't know. That's why we want to watch these fights. You know? I mean, I don't watch fights. I always trip out where I see guys go like, oh, man, he'll knock him out. He'll beat him really quick. I always tripped out on Vatos like that because I'm like, why do you watch the fights? If you already know, like if you could foresee the shit, you know, a mile away, if you could tunnel through the future... And you already know all this stuff is happening. And why do you, why do you, are you bothering watching watching this sport? Right? See, I, I watch it, it, it even if it's a shitty fight. Even when I'm like, man, it might not be a good fight, but I want to watch it because I don't want to be the pendejo that missed it. I've done that before. Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. gets in with Frankie Rand Randall, the surgeon. Rest in peace, brother. I remember being the pendejo that goes, ah, he's going to, hey, he's going to fuck homeboy up and, and that's it. And then big deal. Decide, I opt out to do, which I never, ever did again. Never made that mistake again. I opt out of not watching the fight and going out with, 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 with the homies. Next morning, I hear through the grapevine. Julio lost the fight. He even got dropped. And I was like, what? No, 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 no. Man, I was so pissed off at myself because you remember this? They didn't do replays back then. You had to wait. Or you had to go down to your dealer. I had my 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 VHS dealer. <laughs> I used to pay 10 bucks for the for the fight after. So that I could put in my VHS and watch. So I had to watch it after. And, 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 it, and it ate me because I had to watch it knowing already the outcome. Where I could have been there in the moment. Been there in the moment. And that's why we watch the fights. That's why I watch the fights. That's why I sit and try to watch every fight possible. Which is, you know, kind of impossible because now we're so saturated with fights. It's, it's, you know, we get like three fights happening all at one time from three different networks. Counterpart. Pardoning each other and stuff. 
April, I said, I remember having that attitude with Fernando Vargas versus Trinidad. And I said, nah, Trinidad's so fast. Even De La Hoya fight. And they were good fights. They were great, 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 great fights. Like I said, did not make that mistake again. I didn't. Same thing when everybody was like, dude, Dale Corrales, it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good. I had just moved here to Modesto, California. I've talked about this. I've said this story a million times here on Leave the Ring. Just moved here to Modesto, California. Had this freaking small Tia television. Bought my house here. Um, didn't, wasn't even furnished yet, but I wanted to make sure. I had, the one thing I needed was cable in the house. And I had this small little TV. And I was sitting on a milk crate watching the fight. Me and the wife. You know, so I'm like, I'm not missing this. I am not missing this. Miguel Coro, when he fought Antonio Margarito, won, had it on my big screen. The power went out. The only power that was in the in the house, because uh, there was a shortage of some shit. So it was in my kid's room. My poor kids, they were watching Nickelodeon or whatever, Disney. Threw them off and put the fight on there and watched it off their little screen TV. Not missing a fight. At all. Run said, I missed, I missed look away for a second and missed Sergi's KO of, uh, that's Martinez of uh, Paul Williams and missed John Malia's comeback against Mickey Bay on Showbox years later. Shaking my, oh, I know, I remember that. Those were great, 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 great fights. Gora put, put I had a VHS dealer too, bro. <laughs> Sometimes had to wait a month for the fight to arrive to put, bro. I used to have to drive, okay? Now, rest in peace, because this was my b boxing brother, Butch. Uh, uh, Bill Collins Butch. Uh, really good homeboy of mine. It was the reason why I started getting on YouTube and talking boxing. Was <clears throat> When I used to uh, travel, uh, commute, um, my homeboy was the only boxing head that I knew that actually was would watch every fight. And he was my dealer, Okay. And I used to have, I used to literally travel two hours to his house because he lived in the Bay to pick up my fights from him. And that's how I saw like Abraham uh, 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 versus Miranda because remember it wasn't televised in the U.S. You know, uh, a lot of fights. Um, Edwin Bellario's fights, they weren't televised here in the U.S. That's how I got my fights, you know. So those were the good old days, man. I believe he is, dude. I, I believe he's still working. Um, yeah, actually, he is. He is at Snack because uh, the email that was sent to me was from his PR, who is the publicist for Snack as well. So a lot of times, if it's if it's sent from him, that fighter normally has a deal with Snack and in Victor Conte, which is in um, San Carlos, California. San Carlos, California. I was lucky, bro. You know, we're saying right here, the quality was bad. I was, I was actually really lucky. My boy was really, really good of finding the, the, the good, um, you know, uh, the good takes and stuff. And he was, uh, if that was one thing, he always made sure like he got me top quality. Because I remember I wanted like Thomas Hearns versus Marvin and Hagler. And everybody that I would get it from uh, had really shitty quality. You know, they had that snow static and stuff. And he got me like... Crystal clear. Same thing with all like Salvador Sanchez fights. He got them all like just clear freaking picture. And this guy used to get, I still have a lot of the fights that he, you know, I, I you know, I'm not getting, I remember my, when we moved into this new house, my wife's all like, you got to start getting rid of all this stuff. And I was, I actually was going to 
just dump it all. But then, dude, I was like, I was sitting there looking at this stuff, and I'm like, I can't throw this shit away. It's like, it's like burying one of my best friends right there. And uh, and I'm also thinking like I got a lot of Olympian fighters, uh, the Olympic fights I recorded, uh, a lot of sparring. Um, I mean, a lot of stuff, a lot of fighters. Roy Jones Jr. sparring at the Kronk Gym. Uh, one of these days, I'll upload it and put it on YouTube. But I mean, I got like thousands of sparring sessions uh, that I bought over the years. What's up, IBT? How you doing, brother? So let's get down to the next topic, man, here. Uh, we already did our picks here on the lead of the ring. Um, okay, so Teofimo Lopez, he went on ESPN, right? And I talked about this a little earlier, if you're late. I was like, look, I'm happy for the kid. You know, he's playing smart. And he's now, you know, doing what every other fighter that's reached the top of the hill. He's saying, hey, look, um, I know my value. And this is my value. And if you can't meet my value, I'm going to go to another home. It's nothing personal. It's all business, okay? And Bob is hearing that. Bob's understanding that, okay? So what Bob is now doing is saying, look, the Josh Taylor and Jose Ramirez fight, <clears throat> that should be happening this year. The winner of that fight, Teofimo Lopez gets. That means he would have to move up to 140, okay? I like the fight if he does that, and then I don't like the fight. And the reason why is because it's, to me, it kind of feels like what Mikey Garcia did was leave the late, lightweight division when it was stacked and there was so much there he could have accomplished and do that in a way, that's what Teofimo Lopez would be doing. Now, we're looking at money. I would understand that. I know, bro. I'm not, bro. I'm not throwing it away. I actually, I kept it. So I went about a storage and I put everything in there. Like I said, that's why I was saying, well, I got like DVDs too. I mean, I'm and look, when I say I got a bunch of VHS and, and DVDs, like you see all the, the magazines in the background, that's not even, that's like a little small little tote of magazines. I got like totes and totes of magazines. So I bought a storage and I filled it all up, you know, and I'm an addict, you know, um, when it comes to buying memorabilia, to doing stuff, I mean, now I don't even record fights because we can get it on YouTube. So there's no reason to do it. But in those times, like I said, remember, like we didn't get the an hour later replay, the next day replay. Uh, you didn't get any of that on ESPN. If the fight happened and you missed it, you missed it. So I rec we would record everything and made sure put it on a time setter and I would kill myself, kick myself in the ass if the time setter didn't work. You know how many V-stars I went through from like banging them because I was pissed off. They didn't record them. Too many of them. And historically so important to preserve those types of fights and foot. Oh, I know. I know, man. Like I said, I'm going to go through all of them and, uh, and I'll start like releasing uh, a bunch of them that I got. You know, I just got to start going through them and stuff. And actually, I was actually going through that phase for a while where I was trans uh, uh, transitioning them to from VHS to DVD. You know, so I got to keep doing that, man. Got to keep, got to keep doing that. So going back with Teofimo Lopez. Okay, so now Bob Aram hears him and says, "Hey, okay, 
and starts making the suggestion of kind of like, I would have to say it's like he's dangling it over his head. Like, look, here's a big fight over here, okay? I, and I, I get it. He's got to go where the money's at. It's, it's due time. Remember what I said, deserve doesn't belong in the sport of boxing. The word deserve, it just doesn't belong there. Earn. This kid has earned the right to start making bigger money. This kid has earned the right to start being pushed as a superstar and being pushed into the millions of homes that ESPN has. This kid deserves, not deserves, earns that right and should be getting those rights. Okay. <clears throat> I just would hate to see him leave that division and move up to the junior welterweight division when there's so much left to do to do at lightweight. I, I still want to see the Lomachenko rematch, guys. I don't know about you guys. I definitely want to see it because to me, it wasn't like a complete blowout, all right? Um, it was competitive. Um, Lopez definitely showed he was a stronger, more athletic, and more intelligent fighter between the two. Lomachenko started coming on, on later in those rounds, right? So I don't see what the issue would be. Money is the issue. I mean, if we're going to be frank about it, money is definitely the issue. And money, like any of these fights, it's the issue. They're called prize fighters for a reason, right? <clears throat> but I'd like to see, you know, him get in with Devin Haney. I'd like to see a Brian Garcia. Bob Arum has flirted with that a little bit, saying like, that's the next fight I'd love to make happen. But he's seizing the moment right now, Tilafima Lopez seizing that moment right now, seeing that he is the golden goose at the moment. And saying, hey, you're the promoter. Do your job. Entice me. Get, get, my, get my juices going. Get me excited. And to tell you the truth, that's a big money fight there. If he's able, as the unified lightweight champion, able to fight the unified junior welterweight champion, that's a great fight. That's a great storyline. To get those two. You know, to mix it up. Now, <clears throat> it doesn't mean he can't move back down. Or it doesn't mean that these guys can't move up. But I think it's always great to see a unified champion clean out a division that still is work to be done. Because it can always be said, well, you didn't really face this guy or that guy. There are fights there to be made. Now... If there was only one guy in that division, I would I wouldn't be so I don't I can't say I'm being critical about it. I just think that I just think that there's great fights there. Run says I want to see Tio rematch Lomo and then fight Haney to see if there's no question about undisputed. I, I that's what I mean. See, there's unfinished business there. So why not take care of the, that business? Well, I know why not. It's the money factor. Well, if the zone really wants that fight, they should step up and say, "Hey, we'll put up a big bid for the for the you know for the fight. We'll buy that fight." If Bob is not willing to budge and Bob wants to keep him at his minimums, like Lopez said, "Hey, I'm willing to turn my chair turn my chair around and listen to the other guys and see what they have to offer." Which he has that right to do. 
Immortal says, Bob Aram not pushing Till Freeman like he should be, in my opinion. I, I agree with you, man. I'm on board on that. I don't think he is. I definitely don't think he is. He had me cracking up on that ESPN, you know, um, interview. Uh, I saw that he had, um, gee, what's that uh, journalist's name on ESPN? Uh, God, I can't even think of his name. I know his name, too. Um, he had him a bit frustrated, you know. Charismatic, he's slick-talking, power-punching, ex uh, exciting, young Latino boxer. What the hell? What more can you ask for in terms of marketing? I've said that before. Like, what you know, he should be easy to market to the hip-hop you know, uh, heads. He's, he's got that street value to him. Him and his pops, you know? The the one thing about, like, Angel Garcia and Danny Garcia was Angel did all the talking and Danny just sat back and listened. Where Teofimo Lopez and Senior, they're like twins. They can actually probably finish each other's sentences. You know what I'm saying? They're, a, they're an actual package deal, you know? Mark Kriegel, for the life of me, I couldn't remember his name. <clears throat> Do you think he isn't pushing Teal because he cannot collect a live gate right now or other reasons? I think I think that has to do with a lot of a lot of why fight these fights are not happening. I know like Terrence Crawford, Errol Spence Jr. Um, I think that it has a lot of issues, especially because the dollar value amount that they're asking for, okay? Uh, it definitely hurt Canelo, you know, why, that's what, why he opted breaking out of his contract with Golden Boy and DAZN. The Lightgate, I mean, where are they going to get these kind of purses that the other opponent is asking for? Or the marquee opponent, Teofimo Lopez asking for X amount of money, but Bob Aram being a stickler about the minimum. You know, the minimums of what he's signed on, what Teofimo Lopez's team signed to, Right. But I think that has a big issue, you know, with it, you know, and um, I've talked to some promoters. I'm going to get a promoter on actually, uh, um, not a, a marquee promoter, but a promoter that's worked with every with with uh, Al Heyman and, and Oscar De La Hoya. Um, the guy's been around the block. Uh, we're just we're just trying to work out the time because he is in Mexico. He's promoting his fights out there right now. And uh, he'll give us a little bit. A much of a better sense of how the business is really worked, uh, uh, you know, and then they'll give you guys a chance to ask them as many questions as you guys want about the business side. So look forward to that, man. I'm, I'm working to get that done probably next week. Um, get him on and uh, pick his brain a little bit. Um, I've, I've had him. I've actually never had him on the podcast, but I've sat across him and we've talked promoter business and um He's like told me, you know, I mean, this guy was doing, I don't know if you remember, solo boxeo uh, with Jorge Ma Ma uh, Moreno. Um, um, he was doing all of those small cards with them. Um, and like I say, he's worked with, you know, Al Heyman. He's worked with Golden Boy. He's worked. This guy's been around the block for quite some time. He was actually one of the key guys of helping out uh, discovering Ryan Garcia. You know, really knowledgeable guy. Really, really knowledgeable. And... Uh, He's an open book, so he should be really interesting. So I, I definitely want to see. I, I, I'm hoping when we get him on, we can get a lot of these. Um, he can explain it a lot better, you know. Not uh, mortal says not to excuse, not to push the field. You want all the momentum you can get, of course. Yeah, yeah. You know, 
I saw Tio and his dad do a cool breakdance battle on Twitter last week. Oh, man, send me that, bro. Send me that on my handle. I got to check that out. I mean, they're characters. I, I think those guys, give them a mic, and I, I, I guarantee you they could keep you entertained. I mean, the same thing with, like, Deontay Wilder. You know, move past the fact about the whole conspiracy thing and all that. Charismatic. He's quick-witted. Um, he knows how to formulate a good sentence. He knows how to get you. He, he could definitely knows. He definitely knows how to grab your attention. You can't not admit that. You know, he's hell of entertaining in his press conferences. You know, that's why Adrian Broner. Everybody always goes like, why is this? How is this guy keep making a comeback? And how does he keep getting these fights? His mouthpiece. His mouthpiece. You know? These guys have become our Hector Camachos and Prince Nassim Hamed's of this era. Their mouthpiece is what keeps them in there. Keeps them, you know, wanting to see what happened next. I mean, this kid Ryan Garcia too. You know? I mean, he's not the slickest talker, but... He says some really cringy stuff, but it's enough to make you go like, okay. And I, I you know, I don't know about you guys, but I call him like the 69 Takashi of boxing because he knows how, he knows where to inject himself, you know, to get people talking about him, to get people to hate on him, you know? I mean, it, it took me a while to warm up to the kid. I got to admit to you, but after beating Campbell, I did say, I'm going to give him his props and I gave him his props, you know, his tactics his way of going about things do i agree with it not necessarily like bringing out the bible i mean i was like oh come on bro let's not do that let's not pretend <laughs> right and i like i like teofino lopez because i don't think there's no lie in the kid you know like antonio montana there's no lie in me man i find i get that vibe off of teofino lopez you know that's what i get from Teofimo Lopez, you know, and I, I think the problem is, is, is I'm not, I mean, there's, you can't take nothing away from Bob Arum. This guy knows how to promote fighters. He's they, guys, they, this guy's been in the fight game, you know, 70 plus 60. I mean, how many freaking years, right? So you, we can't say like, he doesn't know what he's doing. He knows what he's doing, but I think, I can't say, I could say we can't believe he's outdated, though, on some things where he's going to fall short. You know, like, for instance, I can't talk about the hip-hop that happens now, these days. I have, I have no connection with it, right? I don't relate to well, the, the new trends that kids do nowadays. Not in, not in a million years that I ever thought I was ever going to call some kid, kid. And really mean it. Or son. Hey, son. I hey, You know. Hey, son. Can you turn that shit down? Never in a million years that I ever thought I was going to tell my sons. Dude, turn that stuff down. Please. That's just trash music. You want to hear some good music? I always tell them now. Like, you know, put, I put on some Wu-Tang, some Biggie. You know, Eric B. Never in a million. So I know my, I know my lane. I think that's where Bob, man, he needs to venture out and stay the promoter, but I think he needs a great marketing team. I, that was my biggest uh, criticism of Al Heyman and the PBC. Um, I was like, why are they not, they have all the platforms. They had all the hedge funds. 
Why are they not doing this? Why don't they have... Really, why don't they have a marketing team? Before Tim Smith was signed on with them, they had nobody PRing their fighters. Nobody. Where Top Rank and Golden Boy did. You know? If you were a smaller promoter, I understood that. If you were like Lou DiBello or Main Event, they all do that in-house. But if you have the money and the funds to get the right marketing team, why not use it? Why not go out there? You know how many young, hungry YouTubers? Gooseman Tudor. Remember Gooseman Tudor? Um, they were using kids from YouTube. When, I, when we started the whole YouTube thing back in 07, I think. I don't even remember how. It's so freaking long, man. I'm a dinosaur in this stuff here. But in 08, 09, even in 2010, they were using YouTube graphic kids. To be part of their team so they can make promo videos to upcoming fights that they were having. And it was it was awesome. It was phenomenal. Top Rank was actually even kind of walking into that as well, too. They did that. Um, this is boxing. I don't know if you guys if you guys go back that far, but there was a trend called This Is Boxing that they were doing. And it was a great trend. You know? Between Ryan Garcia and Devin Haney, who do you think will have a better career when it's said and done? I think it's too early in the game to even say, Run. I, I can't say to tell you the truth. You know? It's really hard to say. Um, I think skill-wise, right now, I have to give Devin Haney more of the thumbs up. And I know what folks are going to say, well, who's he fought? I, I know that. But... Visually, you got to admit, he is a gifted kid. Where Ryan Garcia still has a lot of like amateur traits about him, flaws that are going to cost him uh, if he doesn't improve. You know, and Eddie Reynoso and them, thank you, Blood, for, for reminding me. 2007, my boy Blood. Um, and going back with Ryan Garcia, uh, you know, Ryan... Eddie Reynoso's got I mean, going with Brian, uh, Eddie Reynoso. He's he's got a lot of work, man. I, I just got to be straight up about that. It's, there's a lot of work to be laid down with Ryan Garcia. A lot of ground to cover for him. So I don't know who can go longevity. Who's going to last longer? Devin Haley obviously is getting a new trainer. I saw that some folks were like thinking it was good or bad. It could be vice versa. I mean, I don't think you're, there's going to be much that people are going to be able, a new trainer is going to be able to add to Devin Haney, except maybe th make him think cleaner, in, uh, clearer in the ring, um, see things that he's not seen during the fight, because that's what it comes down to. You know, um, I think Devin Haney has a better idea. Um, I think, well, I think both of them have a good idea of who they are. You know, Ryan Garcia is a puncher with speed. I don't think he looks at himself yet as a boxer puncher. Um, and Devin Haley sees himself as a skilled technician, you know. But where they're going, I don't know, man. That's why I want to see him fight. That's why I want to see where Devin Haney's going to be at against uh, Jorge Linares, you know. I remember the Goose and Tudor channel. They did pre and post fight interviews with their fighters too. They did. They absolutely did. I had a great time with them going to the fights and um, 
interviewing their fighters and and being able to have the pleasure pleasure to actually speak to Joe Goosen and 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 everybody else, the whole Goosen family, to tell you the truth. Aaron was born in 1931 before TVs were even in homes. He's he's from a long gone era. It's true. But I mean, the Godfather, I mean, again, I think business-wise, he's, he's on point. Like signing contracts to fighters and knowing how to fudge numbers and how to maneuver them. I, there, you can't argue with that. I think that he's, I mean, he knows the game in and out more than anybody else, you know? Um, just like Al Heyman. I mean, Al Heyman's a number guy. You're not going to outsmart two guys that are that made their career off numbers. They don't get where they're at without knowing numbers, you know? But sometimes, you know, what I, what I mean about Bob is like sometimes, or even like Al Heyman, um, you can't cover every ground of your company. You, you're going to need to outsource or in-house somebody to take care of the other little stuff. And the times have really, really have, have changed you know, where Bob was promoting Floyd Mayweather and Oscar De La Hoya, uh, you know, those guys, you know. Bob's got to look at how people now are, how they interact with the sport, you know. And not to say that, you know, here's the thing too, is boxing has always been uh, uh, ahead of the curb, of anybody. I mean, think about this. Uh, YouTubing. We were YouTubing way before any other sport. Okay. I didn't see anybody talking basketball, baseball, football, anything like that. It was boxing. I mean, I mean MMA guys were not even talking their sport on YouTube. Okay. Uh, podcasting. Um, getting kids from YouTube editors and bringing them on and doing all this stuff. Uh, streaming fights. Putting them on apps. Uh, putting it on Facebook. Boxing was ahead of the curve of that. They were doing those type of things. You know? Um, boxing promoters were looking to bring in other ideas. What it stops a lot of people from actually going from A to B and a plan of marketing is money and it's greediness. That's why I always talk about the, the cookie jar. You know, why doesn't the sport of boxing get fixed? Because the the people that are involved in the sport don't want it fixed. When we get that promoter on, I'm going to probably suck him into that conversation so that people can get a better idea. Because um, I've talked about this where the game is really set up to financially crush small promoters trying to do a real job for their fighters. And financially crush people that are trying to help fighters. And what I mean by that is like for a standard small card, you're looking at 60 grand. Um, the commission will handpick your judges and ref. And that goes off of where they're coming from. The amount of money you have to pay. Okay. I'll give you a perfect example in San Francisco with Golden Boy was um, subbing out to small promoters to try to promote in 
San Francisco, they they didn't even get the commission didn't even hire local judges and refs to be there. They hired everybody from Nevada, which cost the small promoter a bigger fee to pay. So you know what I mean? Like they, they didn't even want to try to cut costs for them so they can actually direct their money with other things like in marketing. They cut their legs off, you know? And small promoters got to have, they have to fit the bill on paramedics, uh, standbys, doctors. None of that even comes into part of the package of, of promoting. 60 grand is like a minimum of what you would need for a card. And that's why you get sometimes these, some cards are just really trash because there's no money in it, you know? Um, the Block Talk Radio Days, yes, brother, you know? And I even tried. Um, if you follow Leave the Ring, I mean, I, I would actually used to take Block Talk with us to go to a, a gym and talk to fighters and get in-depth with fighters. Um, Alfonso Gomez got in real in-depth about how fighters are sometimes treated, how they're shortchanged. They're basically told sometimes, this is what you're going to do, and that's it. There's no ifs and no ands. So when you hear Teofimo Lopez say, hey, it's nothing personal. It's business. It's not like he just came up with that. It's because he's been told that before. And what the kid did was wait for his time and his moment to now throw back the phrase that had been told to him, told to him and his family, his team, for, for so many years of being in the part, part of the, the hurt game. You know? And uh, I've spoken to a lot of fighters. They'll, they could, you know... Go back in interviews. I've, I, don't, I don't know how many. I've done over a hundred, probably more than a hundred. Um, and Antonio Diaz, remember Antonio Diaz from Coachella? He was on Leaving the Ring, and he talked about how he didn't have a choice to fight Sugar Shane Mosley. He was just told, "This is who you're going to fight next, and that's it. It's settled. No ifs, no ands. They don't even give you the opportunity to go like, well, wait, wait, hold on. I don't think I'm ready for him. Too bad. Too bad. So sad." You're going to do it. So when I see people get upset that Teofimo Lopez is playing the card that he is dealing now, not what he's dealt with, but what he's dealing now, it to me, it's kind of refreshing to hear that. Not as a fan, because I'm like, fuck, bro, I want to see these fights. I want to see these fights, you know? How is it that Devin Haney, Ryan Garcia, Devontae Davis, and Teofimo Lopez, that Lopez is number one in the re in resume, uh, resume, but last place in money? Shame. Well, it, I, it, you know, I agree with you, uh, Immortal. I agree with you. Um, I think the only comparisons of how you can make, like, in, in terms of boxing with any other business is music business. You know, you see guys like kids with really real talent. Versus some kid that doesn't have any talent. It's it's who you know. It's not what you could bring. It's really who you know in the boxing world. Who's your manager and what can your manager do for you? What is your team going to do for you? You know? And the promoters too. You know? Do they like you? Look at Sergio Martinez. Sergio Martinez had the whole package. But HBO couldn't stand him. 
HBO literally, when people go like, are there still fixed fights? You think that there's corruption? Yes, absolutely. It's just played out a different way. Look what HBO, how HBO tried to get uh, Sergio Martinez knocked off and get that title taken away from him. Hey, Dave, do you think, hold on, let me, sorry, man. Do you think the old episodes with Victor Conte will be available again? They are available. They're still up there on Block Talk. I still have them up there, and I also have them on YouTube. Every one of our, um, every one of our interviews I've ever done about PEDs um, are are still up there. You know, actually, I'm actually com uh, um, compiling a bunch of the interviews together to walk people through the PED era of when we were, you know. Uh, when the stories were being broken, uh, broke by uh, my uh, ex-co-host, Gabriel Matoya, and then we were getting the fighters on immediately, like either the same week or the same month. Um, you know, like uh, Larry O, he had a really weird last name. If he's, he's from the UK heavyweight, I don't know if you guys remember him. Remember, he was pop. He was pop with so much PD in his, in his body, and he was actually... Uh, pharmacy in his own PEDs and he came on the show and explained how he was doing it before he had been popped by the UK which I got to give the UK way more thumbs up than anybody else um, you know USADA was not doing the job the UK banned Larry um, and then like in 2012 um, I had Sugar Shane Mosley on talking about the Balco and PD, PD, PED usage um, finally admitting to it you know um, that ended up actually on uh, Lazy Guy. Don't tell me it's the same lazy homeboy, man, from back in the days, bro. If it is, man, God, I'm glad to see you on here, bro. That's a long time face I haven't seen, brother. <laughs> Going back with Mosley. But yeah, then uh, 2012, we had uh, Conte. This is all in 2012, to tell you too. Margaret Goodman was on uh, in 2012. Uh, before that, we had Alex Ariza. I asked Alex Ariza, uh, what's in the shake, Alex, when he was training Manny Pacquiao? And then Victor Conte came on and called him a drug dealer. Um, yeah, I mean, Andre Berto, uh, Lamont Peterson, Mickey Bay, Brandon Rios, Robert Garcia, all of them, after they got popped, uh, had him on leaving the ring. So can, can put them all together. Man, it's great to see you on here, man. Great. To, I, I end up uh, talking to uh, Strike Heart. I don't know if you guys go that far back with me on Leaving the Ring. Uh, Strike Heart was one of the originals, and Strike Heart reached out on me on Twitter. We're gonna, I'm going to get him on. Um, and we could actually uh, reminisce on some of the episodes, like when we had Marvin Marvin Hagler, Johnny Tapia, uh, Hector Camacho, when Hector Camacho was on, buzzing hella hard, and he was like trying to find his uh, his girlfriend, I think it was, or his wife at that time, um, and he kept us on the line. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, it's getting late, guys. Holy shit! It's really, really, really late. It wasn't I wasn't actually uh, planning on staying this late, but once I get going, you can't shut me up, especially when it comes to to boxing and stuff. I actually actually make everybody cringe back in the days in the 90s, you know, because that was the only thing that I wanted to talk about. Some folks wanted to talk about work. Some folks wanted to talk about football. Some folks wanted to talk about the man on the moon. I only wanted to talk about boxing. That's the only reason why I started getting on YouTube and 
doing a podcast is because I want to talk to other boxing heads. Like I've said before, I don't know everything. I always learn something new because I'm circled around hardcore boxing fans and I love it. It's the only place that I want to be, you know. <laughs> it is late now. Let's see. Uh, I remember Starcraft and his intro with the pistol. That was great, dude. We actually talked about that. When he came in with his suitcase, and then he would put his uh, suitcase down. Um, Strike hasn't missed the beat. It was great. Uh, as soon as we, you know, when he called me, and uh, we just picked off where we left off. So I'm definitely looking forward to getting Strike Heart back on Talk Boxing. Uh, if it's not boxing, I don't care, you know. So, yeah, man, that was awesome and stuff. Um, okay, guys, I'm going to get going. Hey, thanks for coming on, and thanks to you, as always, supporting uh, Leaving the Ring. Don't forget, we are on Monday nights. Uh, we have we weren't this weekend, but uh, you know, don't forget HCP, Hispanics Causing Panic, on Tuesday night. And then uh, Wednesday night is The Censored Show. Thursday night is The Roundtable. And then my quick takes are on Tuesday. I'm probably going to end up doing one. I'm probably going to end up doing a, a weekend show, to tell you the truth, guys. If I can get that interview with that promoter... Um, I'll probably do it this weekend if I can get it in, okay? Anyways, you guys have a great night, and um, be careful. Don't drink and drive because you will spill your beer. Ladies and gentlemen, Thomas Caballeros.